to the Highland Wonders podcast, where we share stories and knowledge from experts about the charismatic species and diverse ecosystems of the Okanagan Highlands of North Central Washington. My name is Jen Weddle, and I am one of the co-directors of Okanagan Highlands Alliance, a nonprofit conservation organization dedicated to protecting the beautiful Okanagan Highlands. Hey, Andrew. What do you get when you cross North America's largest rodent with a whole bunch of curious fifth graders and then add a dash of filmmaker slash educator who just bubbles with contagious enthusiasm? A really fun podcast episode, that's what. Recently, the Tenasket Elementary School fifth grade class, led by their team of amazing teachers, watched two short videos created by Sarah Konigsberg and Tensegrity Productions. One showed two beavers, Big Bella and Oki, being relocated to a mountain stream by the Methow Beaver Project. The other was a trailer of the award-winning documentary, The Beaver Believers. The videos in total took about six minutes to watch but that was all the kids needed to come up with no less than 114 unique questions about beavers, wetlands, climate change, what we can do to help beavers and the earth, and what it's like to make a movie. A couple of days later, Sarah, the beaver believer extraordinaire, zoomed into school to help answer as many of these questions as possible. What you are about to hear is the first part of a minorly edited interview between Sarah and the fifth graders. The second part will be out soon. This is a jam-packed episode. We hope you learn a lot and enjoy. Blessed My name is Tristan and I am here to introduce the 5th graders from Tenasca Elementary School who will be representing our 5th grade and asking Sarah questions today. You will hear the voices of Alondra, Zosha, Kirsten, Mary, Avea, Owen, Talia, Daniel, Paisley, Macy, Barrett, Alex, Kaylee, Jude, and Jaden. They are asking some of their own questions and also questions asked by the other 5th graders in our school. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, let's jump right in. I think I heard you have over a hundred questions. Wow, that's awesome. We start off with a lightning round. A bunch of quick questions for Sarah. Um, where do beavers live? So beavers live in water bodies, so in creeks or rivers or streams, they make ponds, but their actual home is either a lodge, which they make out of sticks and branches that's sort of in the middle of a pond, or they can also dig out a burrow inside the bank, and they can live actually underground in the bank. How many types of beavers are there? So right now, there are two species of beaver in the world, castor canadensis, which is the North American beaver, and then there's also castor fiber, which is over in Europe. Uh, and that is it, just two kinds of beavers. How many beavers are, are there in the world? So that's a good question, and we're not really totally sure because 
they're kind of hard to keep track of, right? They come out at night, they live under the ground a lot of time or under the water, but the estimate is, I had to write this one down, the estimate is that there's between 15 and 30 million in North America, um, only 1 million left are coming back in Europe and Asia. And then there's actually about 100,000 down in South America. How many are in Washington? Ah, that's another good question. So again, we're not really sure, but it's estimated maybe between three and 400,000. Um, how long can a beaver live? Ah, so in captivity, like in a zoo where they're not going to get eaten and all of their needs are taken care of, I think the longest anyone's ever heard of a beaver living is like 20 years. But out in the wild, they're much more likely to not quite live that long. So maybe more like seven to 10 years or 12 years or so if they get eaten even less. How many beavers are born at a time? Oh, that's a good question. So generally an average would be like two to four kits. So baby beavers are called kits, but it will depend on the health of the ecosystem and the health of the family. So it could be as little as one, or it could be as many as six. Kind of depends. Can beavers breathe underwater? So beavers can't breathe underwater, but they can hold their breath really well. And they've got this really cool thing where they have two sets of lips. So they've got a second set of lips that are furry behind their teeth. So that way they can hold a stick in their mouth and the front lips are open, but then the back lips behind their teeth close so that they don't drown. How long can a beaver stay underwater? So when they're just kind of doing their thing, usually they'll stay under like three to four minutes but the longest has been timed at about 15 minutes. Like if there's a predator that they're hiding from or if they're really you know, dragging a big long branch a long, long way. Can beavers climb trees? Not really. They can do a lot of things, but climbing trees is not one of them. Uh, can beavers run? They're pretty clumsy on land. So the best they can do is kind of waddle. That's why not only do they swim in the creek or the river or the pond or the lake, but they actually also dig canals. So it's almost like they're digging little water slides that go all around the edges to make their area even bigger because then they can and shoot real quick, almost on their bellies, like pushing with their little back feet. How big do beavers get? That's a good question. A lot of people don't realize it, but beavers usually weigh between 30 and 50 pounds, but they can weigh as much as 85 pounds. So that's like the size of a big golden retriever dog. That's pretty big. How many trees do beavers cut down in a year? So that is very dependent on where they live and how much damming they need to do. So if they're living on the edges of a really big river, they're probably not gonna be doing any dam building at all because they're just living in a bank den and swimming around in that big, huge river. Whereas if it's a little creek and they need to make multiple dams to back up that creek and make multiple ponds and make all those little water slides we talked about, they might be cutting down a whole bunch of trees. Uh, the other reason they cut trees, not just to build, is sometimes if they want to eat the leaves or the tiny branches, the bark that's up high, 
they'll take down the whole tree and then they can get at those upper branches for food. Are beavers mean? They're not mean. Um, they're actually pretty chill, pretty docile. They get along with most other animals. Uh, they actually share their lodges with like muskrat and some other animals like that. But they're very territorial against other beavers. So if a new beaver comes along and gets too close, they might slap their tail and try to scare it away. And if someone came after them to eat them or tried to get at their babies, then again, they would be protective. But I wouldn't call it mean. Do they get mad? So I think again, probably only if they felt threatened. So like if you ever hear a beaver slap its tail, that actually means it's scared and it's trying to tell you, hey, go away, go away, leave me alone. Have you ever been bit or scratched before? Nope, luckily not. Um, I only in that one photo that you saw of me holding the kit, that's the only time I've ever actually touched a beaver. And that was a little tiny baby that I was helping someone live trap and relocate. But the people who handle the beavers, who do live trapping and relocating, like you saw with Bella and Oki, they're very, very careful. They wear gloves. They don't really reach out or grab or touch the beaver. They're usually either in a bag, so they're nice and safe, or they're in a, like a crate. It's good to give wild animals, even when they're cute, lots of space, because they're still wild animals. Is it cool watching beavers swim? I think it's pretty cool. They are just so graceful, and their tail kind of is like a rudder, or you'll see their back feet a little bit, and then when they, they dive under and then pop up, it's just so graceful. I think it's pretty cool to watch. How fast can they swim? Gosh, you know, that I'm not really sure. I did read that one was once tracked going like a half mile underwater before coming up to breathe. So I'd imagine pretty quick, um, but I don't actually know how fast they can swim. Is it fun to see the beavers? I sure think so. And what's really cool about beavers is even if you don't see the beaver themselves, because they mostly only come out in the dark, when you can see the little stumps they've nibbled or see the little sticks, or you can see their dam, I think it's just as cool to see their signs. Uh, because second to humans, they are the only other animal that changes the area where they live and manipulates the environment so much. And I just think it's so cool what they do. Are beavers your favorite animals? I think so. I think at this point, although my dog, my dog, I might love my dog Willow more than I love beavers. Do you also help other animals? Well, so most of the work I do, I don't work only with beavers. I, I do a lot of work that tells the story of all kinds of ways that we can make the environment healthier, ways that we can work on our creeks and our rivers, and we can make better habitat. We can be prepared for climate change, help fires be healthy fire rather than like huge catastrophic fire. So I'd say by extension, that's helping all the animals that live in the forest. And that's kind of what I like about beaver in the way that they change the environment and our keystone species is that everything they do, it's making more habitat for all the other animals and plants also. So they're kind of actually helping everybody who lives out in the forest. On a scale of one to 10, how important are beavers? Oh, definitely 10. So if you've heard about the term 
in science of evolution, which is just sort of how different species relate to each other and how things have changed over time. Beaver have been creating that kind of wetland habitat where it's not just one little skinny stream, but it's this whole beautiful complex wetland with tons and tons of little microhabitats. All the other animals depend on them because for tens of thousands of millions of years, that's what they've been doing. And so when the beavers are gone, it's a much, uh, it's a much more simple and unhealthy habitat for all the other species of animals and plants. And also just the way they slow down water um, and they can reduce the force of floods and it can make fire breaks. They just, they really, they really help the whole forest. Thank you. You are welcome. Those are great questions. Woo! I'm warmed up. I'm ready. <laughs> With the lightning round warm up complete, we moved into some questions that came from watching the short film Releasing Big Bella and Oki that showed the Met How Beaver Project relocating two beavers to a mountain stream. All right. Can you tell us more about Big Bella's and Oki's sty? Yeah, okay. So the first thing to know is that that was near you all. That was over in Winthrop, Washington. So there's the Metal Valley, uh, Twisp and Winthrop in that area. So that there's a project called the Metal Beaver Project. And they are the ones who really got going in the state of Washington almost for the first time, this whole idea and a whole program where they will find, they'll have a landowner call him on the phone and say, hey, I know I got a beaver and it's clogging my culvert or this little creek running through my house, the beaver pond, it's just causing some flooding in my basement. And so those beavers are considered a nuisance. They're really just doing what beavers do. It's more that we humans built our infrastructure where the beavers need to be, but that's another story. So they'll go and they'll catch them in live traps so that they don't get hurt at all. And then they take and they put them in the uh, in the Winthrop fish hatchery. So there's actually a spot you all could, could go there on a trip sometime. And you can see in some of them, there's all the fish, the salmon that they have for the, the hatchery there. But then in some other ones, they put the beavers there. And basically, the whole idea is that they either catch the whole family together and get everybody because beavers are very family oriented. So if you split up a family, you don't get all the kids, then they'd be really sad. So you try to get the whole family or if it's just a single beaver, so it's like a teenager or a young adult who's just left the home and is out trying to start their life, you wanna get them paired up. So if they're a couple, if they're a pair, then they're gonna start building a lodge and a dam and start getting ready to have kids and build a family. Big Bella and Oki is just what the people named them, just for silly names. Big Bella was named Big Bella because she was a big girl. She weighed like 60 pounds. They matched up and they seemed to be getting along. So they decided to take them together and hope that when they took them way up into the mountains, into that area where there didn't seem to be any beaver, the hope was that then they would immediately get to work and build their dams and build a lodge and have a family. Um, so that's kind of what the whole thing with the Metal Beaver Project does, is they're seeing areas high up in the mountains where there aren't any beaver, where it would be really great if there were. And so they take the beaver from down low near where there's humans, and they put them up in the mountains so that they can do all the good things that beaver do. So that's what you saw in that little video. 
How do you live trap? How do you live trap? Well, first of all, you need to make sure that you're trained. So it's not something that any of us should do. I wouldn't even do it. I've watched it a bunch of times and I've filmed it, but I'm not certified. I haven't taken the class. Um, but basically you kind of have to get inside the beaver's brain and think like, where is it? Where is it gonna be? What's it gonna be looking for? So the people who do it, even if, even if it's just like a chunk of stream running through town, or it's in an irrigation canal or something really strange where it shouldn't really be, they still have to look around and they look for signs. They look for areas where maybe the beaver had been eating. They'll kind of go back to the same spot multiple times and kind of hang out there to eat. They can do marking, like a, they make what's called a scent mound where they're letting other beavers know like, hey, this is my territory. Um, so you look for spots where you think the beaver might go. And then that's where you set up that trap um, like I mentioned, where the bottom part will be just in the water, but then the top is up and you have to put in some food, some leaves, some branches. They use a lure. So it, it smells like another beaver. So the beaver's curious. So it'll smell the, like, what's that? What's that? I want to go check that out. Um, but I mean, a lot of times they don't get anything. So there were times when I was working with the Metal Beaver Project and filming we, so you set the trap in the evening, because again, beavers are mostly nocturnal. Here's another cool word for you, crepuscular. That means they also come out at dawn and dusk, not just night. So nocturnal is only in the dark. Crepuscular also means right at dawn and right at dusk. So you set the traps in the late afternoon or the early evening. You leave it all night long and you come back and check early in the morning. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes you set the traps over and over and over again and never catch a beaver. So then you try somewhere else. Takes a little practice to kind of figure it out. So that's again, part of that training that all the people at the Metal Beaver Project go through. When were Big Bella and Oki born? Hmm. Okay, so that I filmed, that was in 2015. So that was actually a while ago. And beavers, uh, they keep growing until they're eh, four or five years old is usually when they're mature. So they were both adults. So they were probably born in like 2010 or 2011. Who removes beavers and why do they do it? Okay, so kind of that sort of ties into what I was just explaining with the Medal Beaver Project. But in terms of who, um, so there's a couple people who are biologists with the U.S. Forest Service who got the program started. And then now uh, the Metal Beaver Project is its own nonprofit organization that's within the Metal Salmon Recovery Foundation. And so most of the people who actually do the work, most of them have been to at least some college studying something to do with the environment or biology or wildlife. Uh, but sometimes they are summer interns, so it's just a summer job. And they have to go through training. They have to get certified so that they know how to make sure that the beavers don't get hurt. They know how to take care of them. They know how to be respectful and kind of give them their space. And then, of course, they have to study, you know, the land of knowing where there are beaver and where there aren't beaver and where they're going to put them. But so it is a job. And so if you if you look that up, that's a job and a career that any of you could one day have working with wildlife. Thank you. Yeah. Also, where do they get the beavers and where do they go? Um, so usually they will live trap beavers that are closer to people. So down 
where we already have, you know, roads or we already have like sidewalks and bike paths. And so the creek is pretty constrained. We're not going to suddenly let all of downtown Twisp turn into a lake, right? So they'll, they'll take beavers that are living in those kinds of areas where maybe the beaver is perfectly happy living there, but it's not really going to be able to diversify the ecosystem. So they'll take it from an urban place and they'll take it up and that's when they put them up in the mountains. Or like if it's near a farm or a ranch where it's plugging up irrigation culverts or things like that. Is it fun releasing beavers and how does it feel letting them go? It's fun. I think just in that, I think animals are, are really neat. It's just nice to see how they behave and how they move and how they swim. And I think it's fun in that it feels good to help heal the environment. And it's nice to know that maybe you're taking them out of living somewhere, you know, like, I don't know, down, down in like dirty water, you know, like in the middle of a, a city, or if they're just like in a culvert or a canal or, you know, somewhere kind of ucky and you feel like, hey, maybe I'm helping this beaver have a happier life because it's up in this beautiful mountain area with lots of space. And so, yeah, I think it's fun. Thanks. Sure. Can you tell us more about the beaver's experience when moved one place to another? Sure. Um, okay, so you saw kind of the process in that little video, but how I mentioned how back in the day they would just pick them up by the tail and shove them in a saddlebag of a horse. We don't we don't treat animals that way anymore. We have more rules where we we want to make sure the animal is protected. So they're very careful. The live trap, you didn't see that part, but it kind of looks like a clamshell. And the bottom part goes under the water and the top part is up like on the edge of a pond or a creek. And they'll put lure and lots of yummy willow branches or aspen branches, the food that beavers really like. They'll put that in there to lure them in. And then when it it triggers the trap, boop, it shuts down and just holds the beaver right in there. Um, so that way it's totally safe and they make sure that it's not going to fall into the water all the way and drown it, but it's got enough food and water. So that's one of the ways they're really careful that they take good care of it. And then they get put into the back of a pickup truck. But you did see there was that tarp that they put over them. It's really important to regulate their temperature so they don't get too hot because they normally live in the water. So sometimes people will even put ice, like bags of ice on top of the cage so that the cold water will drip down or they'll spray them off occasionally with a hose, just again, to make sure that they don't get too hot. And then there's other things where they make sure that they don't pinch their toes when they put the cage down. So they make sure they're careful about their little toes. They get checked out by a vet to make sure that they're healthy and they're not carrying any disease. They make sure they get plenty of food. And then they're really careful on the drive up to the mountains. Same thing. Make sure that they don't get too hot, um, that they've got enough food and water. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good process where they're really careful. And so Washington State has actually done the best job of any state to set really clear guidelines and certifications that people have to follow to make sure that the beaver are looked after and treated well. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, these are really good questions. You are thorough. Why are beavers important? Very good question. All right, so I've kind of alluded to that a little bit, but I will, I will break it down much more clearly for you. So if you picture a creek or a river, 
or a stream and it's just flowing downstream. All that water is just whoosh, flowing down and gone, right? Well, not gone, it goes into the ocean, but then it's not here anymore. Whereas when a beaver builds a dam, what that's doing is it's slowing that water down and backing it up. So then you have a pond. So now you've got a stream and a pond. But then on the edges of the pond, you get little side channels. So then you've got little teeny tiny streams. So then if you think about the makeup of the bottom of the stream too, you now, instead of just having like river cobbles, have you ever like played in a creek or a river and you see just big rocks? Well, now you've got big rocks and then you've got tiny gravels and then you've got really fine silt and you've got deep water that maybe is colder in the middle of the pond. And then you've got warmer water where it's really shallow and mucky. And so you suddenly now have like 12 different kinds of habitat. So little amphibians and frogs and tadpoles, maybe like the warmer little mucky areas. Salmon need a certain size of gravel to lay their eggs on. Little tiny baby fish need little areas where the water's not moving as fast so that they can rest. And then suddenly you get more bugs, which is fish food, salmon food. Then suddenly also all that water that backs up, that is what's watering. It's called sub-irrigation. It's water in the soil, the groundwater. And that's suddenly reaching way out into the forest so all the plants can grow better and have more water. And you get more resistance to floods. You can think of a whole bunch of dams in a row like speed bumps. So say there's a bunch of snow on the ground and then it rains, it gets warm and it rains. All that snow melts and that huge rainstorm comes and whoosh, that's gonna be a big flood. But suddenly, boom, 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 it hits those dams and it slows down. And again, it sinks into the ground. Or say you have a huge fire coming through. How many of you have ever tried to build a fire with wet sticks and wet leaves? That doesn't work so well, does it? It gets all smoky and it just won't burn, right? Water doesn't burn. So if you have a huge fire coming through and it hits this big, huge wetland, psh, that fire just kind of goes out. So suddenly you just have all these microhabitats and such a more dynamic system, all just because of the beaver doing what they do and building their dam. So that's why beaver are really important is they really make a much more diversified system in our forests and they keep more water held back when it's dry and they slow that water down when it's wet. And they basically just make everything better no matter what the situation is. What happens if there are no beavers in the world anymore? No beavers in the world? Oh, that would be sad. Well, there almost weren't. <laughs> so what happened would be kind of the opposite of everything I just described. So you would end up with the water table dropping low so suddenly all the plants wouldn't have enough water to grow well. And so a lot of plants and trees would die. Suddenly you wouldn't have those big ponds and wetlands anymore. So a lot of those species that depend on the ponds and the wetlands, they would all die or just have to go somewhere else. Fires that come through would stay bigger. Uh, when you had big floods, instead of that water slowing down, it would, have you heard of the term erosion? when the water is so strong it pulls the rocks and the soil and the dirt away and downstream with it so have you ever seen so how some creeks the water's right there at the surface and other creeks it's like it's dropped down in a trench it's like it's way down in a ditch that's called this is a fancy word it's called incision channel incision 
So that means that the, the bottom of the river has eroded away and the stream has dropped down in a trench. And we see that in a lot of places around the West, a lot of places here in Washington. And so that's one of the reasons that people are bringing back beaver to try to get that stream out of that ditch, out of that trench and back up nice on the surface. So basically just the whole system when there's not beaver gets a lot more simple, a lot more dry. It's just gonna be a bunch of pine trees in the forest. You're not gonna have as much diversity of life. So that's pretty sad. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What is something that beavers do that is not good for the environment? Mm, okay, I'm gonna tell you two different scenarios where we could think of beavers doing something that's not good for the environment. But in both cases, first, it's humans' fault. So if there is an area where humans have degraded the land, where maybe there's only like one tree left, if the beaver then took that tree down to eat or to build their dam, we might think, oh, well, that was a bad beaver. That beaver took away my one tree. But that whole area of the environment should have had a whole bunch of trees to begin with. So it's really not the beaver's fault because it just did what beavers do, right? Um, so that would be a case where maybe if the system is so degraded and the beaver then cut down the last couple of trees, people might think that that's bad, but we really need to help get that whole system healing and planting more trees and all that anyway. The other case, this is kind of fascinating. And again, it's humans not being too smart. So remember I mentioned that there's about 100,000 beaver down in South America? Beaver never were in South America on their own. So remember I used that term evolution? It's where different plants and animals have lived generation after generation after generation. And there's kind of a balance, like everybody has their place and it all kind of evens out. Well, beaver nibble trees, as we know, but the trees up here where the beaver are, willows, cottonwoods, aspen, they actually need to be nibbled. They need disturbance. So they either need fire or they need beavers nibbling them to get them to re-sprout and start growing again. So that's again where it's a balance. So even if the beaver nibble down some trees, you'll immediately see a whole bunch of new shoots coming up. And that's how uh, streamside trees grow here in North America. It's basically all north of the equator. So it's the same thing over in Europe. Down in South America, it's a totally different kind of forest and tree. They're called hardwoods and they grow really, really slow, like hundreds of years for the tree to grow. So someone brought some beaver down. They thought it would be fun for people to hunt them. So some people brought some beaver. They put them way down in the very tip of South America and released them into the forest thinking, oh, it would be fun to go shoot them. Well, those forests have never, ever, ever, ever had beaver. So when the beaver started cutting down trees, those trees all just died. They don't know how to grow back from beaver nibbling. So suddenly the beaver started having babies and now there's thousands of beaver in these forests that don't know how to handle beaver. And it's a disaster because it is totally destroying these forests. And now they're having to go in and try to kill all the beaver to get them out of there before they keep spreading. So it basically is an example of we humans shouldn't put things where they're not supposed to be. So when we do live trapping and relocating up here, it's because we're trying to put something back where it is supposed to be, where all the species co-evolved together. 
But if we start mucking around with nature and picking up something from here and putting it over there where it's never been, we gotta be careful because we may make a big mess. So that's where beavers are not, not helping out the environment. Now, granted with enough time, it'll sort itself out, but we just won't have that kind of forest down in South America anymore. So, yeah. yeah. Where can we find a place to help if we find one hurt? Oh, well, lucky for you, you are so close to the Metal Beaver Project, I would probably just give them a call. But in general, you can call a humane society or you can call a wildlife rescue group. And there's places that are animal sanctuaries, places where they'll take in hurt animals to either help them get healthy and then let them go again. Or if they're too disabled and so they're going to be hurt the rest of their life, then they can just kind of live there and stay safe for the rest of the time that they're alive. But if you look in the phone book or get on Google and put in hurt wildlife, usually there's some kind of animal control that knows where the nearest place is to take one so that it can get, get healed up and get healthy again. Thank you. Yeah. What could be our part to help the beavers and our environment? Ah, so I think that just sharing the story of how cool beavers are is one really great way because a lot of people don't know. I didn't know. I had no idea until I started doing this work that beavers do so much good. So just letting people know that it's a pretty cool thing, uh, that's, that's kind of nice. And then there's lots of kinds of groups that just do things to help out creeks and rivers in general. So your, your watershed council, Jen, would probably be a great resource and let you know if they have like trash pickup days or days when they go and plant more willows along the creeks. Um, your parks and rec, if your town has one of those, um, often has park cleanup days. Um, so those are great ways to get involved and you can do cool projects. Sometimes they do tree planting projects, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I would say either of those, both just sharing the story, letting people know that if they're having a problem with a beaver rather than killing it, there are ways to live trap it or to coexist with it. Just helping people understand all the cool things beaver do for the environment. And then just sort of learning where your water comes from and taking care of your creeks and rivers in general. That's a good one. Don't take long showers. Conserving water, that's a good one too, especially with climate change here in the summertime. We can all do a better job of, of not wasting so much good clean water. And on this important note, we close this episode of the Highland Wonders podcast. The second part will be out soon. Here's a sneak preview of some of the things you will hear next time. How small are baby beavers? How long have beavers been on the earth? Can you tell us more about what they eat and how much they eat? And if there are plants that they can't eat? And also what beavers, what eats beavers? How do beavers stay warm and survive in the winter? It is so cool that you make movies. Can you tell us more about how you made this documentary? Oh, wait, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you would like to share to us that we didn't ask you about? Life is what we make it. It's all that we are. This podcast is produced by Okanagan Highlands Alliance. OHA is located in Tenasket, a town in the heart of the Okanagan Valley of North Central Washington. 
We are inspired by the beauty and diversity of the landscape that surrounds us. From the aspen and conifer forests, to the highland lakes, to the tumbling creeks that descend to the wide, glacier-carved Okanagan River Valley. We engage in environmental advocacy, habitat restoration, and educational activities in our efforts to protect local ecosystems for future generations. To learn more about OHA or to become a member, please visit our website, okanaganhighlands.org. We have so many people to thank for their contributions to this episode starting with Sarah Konigsberg and Tensegrity Productions for taking the time to inspire a new generation of beaver believers. I really encourage you to visit thebeaverbelievers.com to learn more about how to see the Beaver Believers documentary, or check out beavercoalition.org to learn more about Sarah's newest projects. Also, thank you to the Tenasket Elementary School staff, in particular, the fifth grade team for taking the time out of two busy days to share this opportunity with students. Huge thank you to all of the fifth grade students for inspiring people of all ages by sharing your curiosity and scientific thinking in coming up with excellent questions. And thank you to the student representatives who interviewed Sarah. Thank you to the Methow Beaver Project for their work in protecting beavers and wet habitats throughout Okanagan County. We're grateful to have partnering organizations like MBP who do great work to restore and protect nature. Visit methowbeaverproject.org. Thanks also to Humanities Washington for supporting season two of the Highland Wonders podcast. Our theme song is written and performed by Tyler Graves and Andy Kingham. Mm-hmm.